Hi, podcast listeners. This is your host, Jenna Pecor, and I'm so excited to bring you our episode for today. If you are a first-time listener or a listener who has been with me since day one and you love what I'm doing, I want to encourage you to support the podcast by giving a small donation. I love bringing you new faces and interviews, but it does take time and resources to do it. And any support you'd be willing to give goes towards website upkeep, travel, time and costs and would help me greatly to keep doing what I'm doing. Give your support by going to paypal.me backslash faces of Grand Prairie. My guest today is Albert Sanchez. Albert is the co-owner and co-founder of Beto's Mexican Restaurant in Grand Prairie, a lifelong Grand Prairie resident and graduate of South Grand Prairie High School. Today, Albert talks to me about how Beto started and the growing pains they experienced along the way. He also talks about lessons he learned as a very young entrepreneur and business owner and the transitions you go through throughout life as you are growing a business and plus how life starts to have a change on you as you become a family man and how it changes your priorities. He also talks about what it was like growing up in Grand Prairie and how that's helped him be the person that he is today. Recorded at Beto's at Great Southwest and I-20, here is Albert Sanchez. Today I am at Beto's. I'm sitting here with co-owner Albert Sanchez. Hello, Albert. Hello. Thank you for joining me today. It's awesome to be here, Miss Jenna. I'm so excited that you said yes. And you are also um, a Grand Prairie uh, resident Correct. your whole life. Correct. You've graduated from South Grand Prairie High School. I won't make you say what year, but you can if you'd like to. 1991. <laughs> so you've been a part of this community for a long time, both personally and from a business perspective. And um, you were also just recently um, elected by a group of people on Facebook from the Grand Prairie at a Glance uh, Restaurant News as the best Mexican food restaurant in Grand Prairie. We were. Yes. Go Betos. That's right, exactly. Yeah. And you and I had talked about doing this before last year. We did. And, but then when I saw that, I was like, okay, we absolutely have to sit down I'm now. glad you called. Because I have to sit down with an award winner. Yes. <laughs> the conversation. Thank you. So, so um, tell me a little bit, or tell the people out there that might not know the history of Betos, like how did Betos start okay how long is this podcast <laughs> all right. you have an hour all right, okay, all right. Uh, so pops is always we call him grandpa mm -hmm. around here so everybody knows that this is your father this is my dad right, right right everybody refers to him as grandpa around here uh, my brother and I both he was here earlier too he was he was here he, yep. yeah uh, always worked in the restaurant industry so growing up my brother and I at some point worked for him 1993, I think this maybe a year after I graduated, grandma and grandpa come on, my mom and my dad come mm -hmm. home, and my mom's all excited, and she says, daddy's got a restaurant, <laughs> you know, and my brothers are already at UNT, I'm, because you have one brother, I have one brother, he's Rick. older than you, he's uh -huh. a little bit older uh -huh. than I am, and he's already at UNT, and I'm doing my basics at, at the community college cl slash club, Mountain View. <laughs> and <laughs> I never was a great student anyway, and then Daddy's got a restaurant. And I'm like, oh, cool, awesome, great for you. So we go up there. What did he do before? Was he in the restaurant? Yeah, he was in the restaurant. So he was in the restaurant business, and at some point my brother and I always, or did work for him. So we go up to an abandoned big, mama's country kitchen <laughs> whatever you visualize as a big mama's country kitchen that's what it looked like right <laughs> so we walk in and we're like pg-13 program we're like wow <laughs> so, I mean, it looks like a big, big mama's, mama's country, country kitchen, kitchen. <laughs> right. so we go in there and we're like whoa cool all right and you know, they just start cleaning, and it's probably June-ish, you know. I'm done with Mountain View. I'm going to meet Rick at UNT. And I, I need to ask him, but I, I'm almost positive we'd already signed the apartment lease, right? We go in there, and it, it gives us the whole summer to kind of help and clean. And mm -hmm. Mom had had a government job forever, mm -hmm. so retirement's not too far away. So that, that wasn't an wasn't a option for her to quit and go help my dad, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There was literally zero money. 
Mm. Not there was 2,000. <laughs> Not that there was one, there was literally zero money left over, right? And so we're cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. We get to the point where we can open and I'm in the shower. And this was off third, right? This is off third, uh -huh. yeah. This is Freetown and third. Uh-huh. And I'm, I, can't, I can't leave. Mm. I can't go. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I don't care about school anyway. Right? So keep going to school, guys. But I didn't, I didn't care <laughs> You'd about You'd already school. graduated high school. I'd already graduated point. high school. Right, right, right. And I'm like, I can't leave. And I don't know if my brother and I had a conversation about UNT. And, but I just like, you know what? I'll just postpone it, you know? Uh, I'll take a semester off. And the following semester, I'm like... I'll just, I'll take what I can, right, as we're, we're going. So we open probably summer of 93, and we're going, and, and I'm 19, and I'm thinking, well, the more hours we're open, the more business we'll have. Oh. That's perfect, perfect. right? Yeah, so right. we open at 7 a.m., and we close at 9 p.m. So at 7 a.m., we had the old Big Mama's Country Kitchen clientele. Oh. And they would come in, drink one cup of coffee, refill it ten times, right, and sit there for two hours. And that was literally. Did you have Big Mama's Country Kitchen menu? Uh, no, but we had Big Mama's <laughs> Country Kitchen booths. We had Big Mama's Country Kitchen blinds. We had Big Mama's Country Kitchen everything, except for you know the Beto sign. And there'd be days from seven a.m. to nine p.m. We'd sell 50 bucks. Wow. All day. Oh, wow. All day long. So then I'm, we're three, four months into it, and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Mm. Right? I'm mm -hmm. just like, dang. And then it was just me and my dad. He did dish, he did prep, he did cook, he did, and I did host and bus and waiter and whatever. And but you would look back there, like literally, there's nothing to do, right? Because we don't have anybody coming in to do any to make a right. mess or to cook. He's always doing something, always mm. chopping something or cleaning something. And at 19, you, you're just not a fully developed human being yet. You know, you need somebody to. You're you know you're young, mm -hmm. you're 10 foot tall and you're bulletproof, but yet. You're fragile. Yeah. You're fragile. But then I'd look back at my dad and, and he's just like chopping and he's cleaning. He's yeah. doing something. And I'm like, okay, Albert, if Pops can do this, mm. I can do it. So we, you know, we keep going and we're going and we're going. And every month it gets a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Not much better. So we'd sell $50 in one day and then maybe three months down the line, maybe we get to $150 in a day. And this is before social media where you this can share. This you is know. before social media. Yeah. But there's pros and cons. This is before social media. Mm -hmm. But this also, the chilies hadn't even opened up in Grand Prairie. Right. So there's pros and cons. There's, you were going to get voted on as right, the best Mexican be on, yes. restaurant on a we're Facebook page. We're not going to have the award-winning prize from Facebook, but... But you also don't have a lot of competition out there. You don't have a lot of competition, but you have no way of getting the word out either. Right, And then exactly. we're off Freetown and... Southwest third. Yeah. You know, so every month it gets a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And Rick is still coming back on the weekends, but literally, one, we can't afford him. And he's still got to come back and make money. So he's coming back, but he's got a wait table somewhere else because it'd be pointless for him to come and work. So had you always set it up to where it was, like, you sit down, it was a waiting table always, type yeah. situation? Okay. Yeah, it was always that concept. Right. I mean, this is before fast casual. Right. This is before, you know, Chipotle or anybody like that. Did you actually have a breakfast menu? We did. Okay. Yeah, we did. All right. And we sold coffee. And you had to have coffee, obviously. We it had other stuff, but that's all we, that's all we sold was coffee. <laughs> right. <And> so, uh, <laughs> I'd say about year, after about year one, I think he became break even. Oh. It's not saying much. Well, it it's, is whenever you've been an entrepreneur running a business. Well, it, no, not when you rent $700 a month, but... Well, that's true. But we were break-even, and we were just... We're, it was getting a little bit busier, a little bit busier, a little bit busier, and about year two, you're like, ah, oh, hey, 
we might be on to something. Mm, mm -hmm. And I rem always remember thinking, if we, o if we ever sold $1,000 in a day, we'd hit the big time. <laughs> that was the goal, that was the mark. You know, because you're going from $50 right. a day, right? Right. And then it's like, when we hit 1,000 a day, we've hit it. I mean, that's big time. Wow. And I think we probably achieved that year two-ish, you know? And in the world of, if people don't know, in the world of restaurants, in the world of Texas Roadhouses, they do that in the first 30 minutes, you know? <laughs> if, if maybe faster. Right, right, right. So, but to to a little small business, I mean, that was our that was our stepping stone. That was the goal. That was the, the big ticket. So at that time, how many other Mexican food restaurants were there in Grand Prairie? Uh, so, of course, our competition at Monterey House, that was our direct competitor. Right, on, that on was the on the north side of that town. That was the north side of town. Right. Uh, Alamo. Was that I think there? a long time ago on Marshall, there was one called uh, Bigotes. Okay. There was that. That was probably our main competitor, honestly. I don't think they're there anymore. But uh, it wasn't like it is now. No. There's a not. lot of There's a lot of choices today. Right. 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 Um, so there really wasn't any competition. Right. I mean, the fast food joints on Pioneer Parkway. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. And Taco, Taco Bueno. And Taco yeah. Bueno. Right. Uh, but again, we weren't. I tell people all the time, the industry has flip-flopped. So when we started out, the, Quinti the, the, the Anthony Bourdain cool mm -hmm. hole in the wall, you didn't want to be that. Right. The taqueria in the gas station where it's like, oh, that's the best food ever. Right. Where the hipsters will go now. That would never happen 25 years that's ago. That's true. Ever. So your goal when you're the little hole in the wall joint is like, okay, we do not want to be the hole in the wall joint. We need to get out. Because we, we might not have had a Chili's, but we had a Dairy Queen right there on 303. You had a Dairy Queen on 303? There was, there was a Mazio's. That's true. There was um, all these, like, there were, or there was a Brahms. There's always been that there Brahms. Brahms. So there was a lot of name brand restaurants that were right. fast food. That were fast food. Right. There wasn't a lot of the hole-in-the-wall places back then that I can remember. There wasn't. No. No, there wasn't. No. There wasn't. Because it wasn't cool. Right. It, well, you didn't trust it. You didn't know. Like, didn't what am know. I going to get if I just yeah. walk in here to this random place? Exactly. So right. our goal was to get out of that. We, we didn't want to be on Southwest 3rd and Freetown. We wanted to be. So back through, for our older generation can appreciate back in the day when Pioneer was the spot. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the strip. So at Freetown and 3rd, did y'all even have alcohol there? Yes. So y'all did sell alcohol. We okay. did sell Probably year three. Gotcha. Year three is probably when it really kicked off. Mm -hmm. So... I'd say year three, so year one was tough. Year two was some light, like way in the distance of that tunnel. You're like, okay, maybe. Mm. And then year three, you're like, okay, we got traction. And about that time, Rick came on board. He was coming back and he was helping us. And I would say year four was like, holy smoke. This is it. I mean, we're on to something here. And you know, we need to start making our moves. Uh, I think year four is when we opened up the Main Street location. Um, and in my mind, as a young entrepreneur with no formal education in terms of, there is not, there's no, no. college for entrepreneurs. There's, Absolutely. there's not, it's really is trial and error mm -hmm. and what your gut tells you. And my gut told me, man, we gotta get to Pioneer. And mm. we get to Pioneer. That we've hit the big time. So you've surpassed a thousand. Right. We now the thing yeah, is, so it's, it's, we can it's, get to it's on. It's on autopilot since we passed a thousand. <laughs> but we couldn't pay for Pioneer with what we were making at third. Mm. So of course, in Albert thinking, we'll just open up another location to pay for a location that we Four haven't hours. got. Yet. Right. <laughs> so we open up Main Street. Shout out to Gordos. We still in the building. Yes. Yeah, uh, shout out to yeah, Gordos. Shout out to Gordos. Yep. Uh, we opened up Maine probably 97, 98, 97, 96, give or take a couple of years. And what was that building before, before you guys got it? Originally, yeah. beefers, originally. Beavers? Beefers. Beefers, Be okay. Yeah, beefers, it was a hamburger joint. That's originally. what it was even before, from the very get-go? That was the original building mm -hmm. was a beefers, and then from beefers, it was a Mexican restaurant for many years was Dorado's, I think is what it's called. Mm. And then and then it was a Beto's. Mm. So we used the income, the revenue from Main Street to 
at least buy the property on Pioneer so we can build on it. Gotcha. So the, we do that. I'm fast forwarding it really quick. We do that and we're on Pioneer. We're gunning. But if we were on 20, <laughs> if we were on 20. We Actually, were, if you were on 183, because wasn't right. that the yeah, next that was, one? Well, yeah. That's the part of the story. I'm like, yeah. but if we're on 20, uh -huh. we'll hit the big time. Uh-huh. Right? So, but we couldn't pay for it with just Pioneer and Main Street. So what do you and do? And there weren't any restaurants on 20 there over was here nothing at the time. There no, was nothing. There wasn't. There was nothing. Mm -hmm. the, the Walmart, the Sam's, nothing was over here. It was mm -hmm. all speculation yep. that everybody was going to move. It was all speculation that the growth was going to be on this side of town. I think uh, Chili's at Carrier came in whenever I was in high school. It yeah. had to have been 97, 96, right around like that. Time. Yep. Yeah. And, and that, we thought we'd hit the big time. Oh, that was a big time. Right? Oh, yeah. That was yeah. a big time. So we didn't have the money to buy the property here. So what do you do? You open another restaurant. <laughs> so we're like, and every, I sweat, I don't know, I have to talk to my brother and sister-in-law. I'm telling you, I really think it's grandma. In, in Spanish, son is mijo. Mm -hmm. Mijo, there's a place here. Mijo, there's a place there. And grandma would call you. And I'm almost positive it's grandma that found the 183 location. Mm. So we go out there, don't do any due diligence. Um, don't do any version of what some might say is a feasibility study. Sure. <laughs> let's, let's, let's open up a store here and we do uh, and we at this time uh, shout out to Mr. Swafford if you're listening so Mr. Swafford really was kind of pivotal in um, talking about Jim on yep, City Council mm -hmm. yep. he, was, he, he was really pivotal for me in terms of introductions so any deal that we ever did wasn't conventional so meaning uh, Miss Burroughs owned the property on Main Street mm -hmm. so I think I'm I don't know, I'm probably 23 at the time. Mm -hmm. I don't have enough money to buy her property. Mm. And there's a big uh, Remax sign, I don't know, whatever the sign was. So I call that number and like, well, this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, I don't want to talk to her. <laughs> I, and again, when you're young, you're, you're, you're just, you're ignorant, but yeah. in a healthy way. Yeah. And I don't want to talk to you. I'm sorry, Miss Realtor. I don't, I don't want to talk. I want to talk to Miss Burroughs. And she's probably thinking, well, Miss Burroughs pays me <laughs> to, to talk, to, to, talk yeah. to you so she doesn't have to, right? right. So I called Mr. Swafford and I'm like, hey, I don't want to talk to Miss <laughs> Realtor. I want to talk to Miss Burroughs. Do you know her? And like, yeah, actually, I do. I'm like, well, can you tell her? Was he like a guest at your restaurant? He was. All the he time? would come in. Okay. He would, he, I'd say that, you know, sometimes between my dad and him, he was kind of a governor for me. Gotcha. Because, I mean, I was just like, you know, the man, my, my mind wouldn't stop, you know, especially when you're young and, I would sit there and tell him, I'm like, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And he'd be mm -hmm. like, okay, calm down. <laughs> Slow down. Chill. 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 Out, yeah. right? <laughs> so I'm like, hey, do you know Ms. Burroughs? Like, yeah, actually, I do. Mm -hmm. You know, he, I don't know if he was a city councilman at the time, but I, he was he was really involved in the community, and he was the president of, of one of the banks. And uh, I'm like, well, can you give me your contact or at least provide mine? So he does, and I call her, and... And I literally, my name is Albert Sanchez. Will you fire your realtor? That's exactly what I said to her. As a realtor, I take, I yeah. take offense to that. No, and, I'm and I'm sure, and I'm like, if you, will you pay her $1,000 and will you deal with me directly? And she said, yes. I don't, I don't know why. So, so, and that, that I, I, poor lady, she calls me after the fact. Oh. Miss Burroughs pays her. I pay a thousand dollars to so she goes away, because I knew I didn't have the money to buy the building. Oh right. I knew I didn't have the financing to buy the building, and I know no realtor is going to risk their commission on some twenty-three-year-old kid promising whatever I was trying to promise, which I did, and ruin her commission. I'm like, well, I'll just give you commission up front, which is probably not as much. Right. But. It's, it's a something. sure thing. It's a sure thing. Take right. it, and, you know. So that she did. That realtor did call me and ask me what I did, what she did to offend me. I'm like, well, no. I mean, I was probably a lot less articulate, and it, and my thought was like, you're you're in my way. Yeah. You're really in my way, and I didn't mean it in a in a mean way. So Miss Burroughs, this we, I'm like, hey, she wanted X for rent, and I, we said. 
So well, she wasn't selling the building outright. No, she was. She was. She oh, was. Okay. She was. She was. Sell, she was trying to sell the building. Yeah. But I said, hey, let me rent it for a year. I'll pay you double. And if I don't, if we don't buy it, you just keep all the rent. We just keep renting it from you. And if I do, you just take all those rent payments and apply it to equity. And she said yes. <laughs> so we bought the building. In a year, we found financing. Took me wow. To so, so fast forward to 20. Uh, Mr. Ken Pritchett owned all this property from the Chevron to the apartment complexes all the way up until the roadhouse, basically, right? Mm -hmm. The new roadhouse. Shout out to Mike Madrano, yep. the new roadhouse. Talking to him Thursday. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yep. Shout out, Mike. Uh, so pretty much all the way to the new roadhouse, right? Mm -hmm. So I call Mr. Swaffer and I'm like, hey, you wouldn't happen to know the person that owns all this property over here, would you? He's like, matter of fact, I do. I'm like, well, will you call him? And he's like, Okay, so Mr. Mr. Pritchett, Mr. Swafford, Mr. Pritchett's realtor, and myself, and I, probably my brother, met at Pioneer, and I'm like, I want to buy your property, but I don't have any money. <laughs> because you might as well just be honest, but I, I, but I will. I will have the money. I just don't know when. And he said, yes. <laughs> So we buy this property, and it, that was tough. The, the, the Pioneer Place, the, these were all, in terms of, they're big numbers. They really are big numbers. Mm -hmm. But they were all, you know, they were six-digit numbers. Mm -hmm. And it's still a lot of money. I'm not trying to, to impress anybody by saying, but when you get into, like, bigger numbers, mm -hmm. those numbers are big to anybody. So now we're talking about big numbers mm -hmm. here. And, and employees. Yeah, but not only that, so we... But the same thing, we don't have the money to build it. We just want to secure our spot. The right. Same, you know, that's all we want to do. It's the same right. thing we did at Pioneer. <clears throat> so. And at this point, you hadn't built a building from scratch. Yeah, we built Pioneer. You built Pioneer from yeah. scratch. Okay, gotcha. We built Pioneer from scratch. But again, in the, in the, in the world of finance, those were small numbers. Mm. They really were. And when we came here, just the property was a big number. Right. And that was 20 years ago. You know, right. so we tell them like, listen, we don't have any money, but we want to buy the property <laughs> with this realtor standing right next to him or sitting next to him. <laughs> and he said, yes. Uh, so we worked out a deal where we pretty much secured the property for at least three years, mm. you know, um, and I had, you know, that the, the clock was ticking. Today's episode is brought to you by Grand Prairie at a glance. Grand Prairie at a Glance is a variety of Facebook groups for residents of Grand Prairie. Groups that feature things like school news and restaurants. The founder, Charles Luckert, is dedicated to sharing the positive news of our city to our residents in a hope of bringing people together to learn more about the city that they live in. Each month, for example, the restaurant group votes on a new restaurant to be the best of Grand Prairie. And this month, group members voted Beto's as the best Mexican restaurant in Grand Prairie. Today, February 22nd, 2020, there will be a meet and eat at Beto's at 4 p.m. for members to meet each other face-to-face -face and enjoy the food and drinks that Beto's offers. If you haven't joined any of these groups already and would like to be a part of a truly positive and uplifting group that brings you great news throughout the city, you can find all 12 GP at a Glance groups by going on Facebook and searching Grand Prairie at a Glance. So at that point, had anything else been discussed over here? Or did you know what else was going to be rumors. built? Just a bunch of rumors. Just the rumors. Just the rumors. Because we had to sign up for like 85 years. Right. The future right. Home Nobody cared about it yeah. whatsoever. You know, just like, you know, we're lying. Yeah. Like, I don't have it. We don't have money. There was McDonald's. Yeah. And that was about it. Yeah. We put the, I think yeah. we put the sign up right away. You know, <laughs> knowing that maybe one day we will have the money to do it. Uh, but, you know... When you look back, none of the the transactions I think we did mm -hmm. were what people would consider conventional. Mm -hmm. And I think people get they get caught up in this like it has to be this way. Right. You got to go to a bank. You got to find financing. You get the loan. You build the building. I, I don't. I don't know. I've never subscribed to that. You know. You it, had a very unique situation because having been in 
an entrepreneur myself, having started a couple businesses, I opened a consignment store that I closed mm -hmm. down six months after. And it was same kind of thing. It was out of the box thinking. But the older you get, the more that it, it, it becomes difficult to think like that. Very. Especially if you've had a job where you've made money mm -hmm. and you were an employee and you had medical benefits and you mm -hmm. had all these things. To stop doing that and then take a risk to, to open up a business is one thing. But you had a unique ability or unique situation to have learned that from a very young age. It's just what you did. It's just how you handled yourself. And it was just what you learned how to do. Mm -hmm. So I think that, and plus there was probably, you know, you have, as a 19 year old, you're arrogant and thinking that everything that you're gonna do is just gonna be successful. And I'm just gonna try this and I'm just gonna do it. Yes. I get it, I was that way yeah. too. So it's like, but that that is a part of why this is all led to be this way, right? Is because you had that ability to think outside the box. And your dad had never owned a business before. No. So y'all were just kind of doing all this. Swinging it. And you ended up at I-20. Yeah, and here we are. And when I came into having met you, because I worked at the Roadhouse Next Door, that's how you and I came to be friends and all of us came to know each other. Um, at the time, I think that you had three. Mm -hmm. You had you had I-20, Pioneer, and Irving. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then I don't know when it kind of happened that all that stuff closed down, but um, you know, Pioneer and 20 looked like each other. Mm -hmm. When I went over to visit you over at the 183 location, it didn't look anything like the babies right. that I knew. So when did that kind of start? How did you start uh, making choices in that way? You know, there, there's really, <laughs> there was a very systematic, no, it's a lie, <laughs> it's a complete lie. Uh, you know, here's some of the downfalls. You're gonna write a how-to book right. about it. Right, <laughs> here's, there are pros and cons to, to every pathway that you take, mm -hmm. right? So there's, there's a, there's a, Pro for the kind of wing it, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Carefree, 19 year old, young Albert. Um, but in the in the long haul, the structure, the systems, the planning, the feasibility studies, in the long run, that's going to pay tenfold in, in in benefits than the winging it. Mm -hmm. So I look back, and my dad would always tell me we were running and gunning. And the sales were there. I mean, the sales were there. And, you know, I'm 24, 25 at the time. Um, and my dad would bring something up to me. Like, this is not right. You know, this is not good at the store. And I would just say, hey. And I would throw out a number. And it was a big number. And to me, that was the answer. You know? Sales mm -hmm. don't lie. And you, you say it out of arrogance. You say it out of cockiness you say it out of a lack of experience and probably the biggest thing you say it out of immaturity mm. you know that sales don't lie uh, they don't lie but what you come to find out really fast is they will tell the truth mm-hmm so all the things that you're doing wrong might not show up right then and there right but the guests that you had on a weekly basis might have had a bad experience and now it's every once every two weeks right and then you mess up on them again, okay, maybe once every six weeks, then give me one more chance. You mess up again, you'll never see them again. Right. And I feel like I sacrificed what built us for revenue, for growth. Mm. You, know, you see it all the time, you hear about it. I mean, you don't need to be a finance major to hear about whatever store crumbled under their own success. Right. Because and it just, it's the same thing. Um, and I'm not saying we're crumbling, but we grew too fast without right. the infrastructure. Right. Especially without, there was no cloud-based systems. I mean, there, we didn't even have plastic gift cards at the time. This is, this is how long ago. Mm -hmm. We were still doing numbered paper gift certificates. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the infrastructure in place yep. to have checks and balances, it's a lot easier now. Everything's cloud-based, everything's digital. You could have security cameras, you can have Google Drive, you got POS. Mm -hmm. But back then you didn't have that. That wasn't, you needed people literally, you needed an audit to go and like, hey, and I was so cheap and I thought I was 20 foot tall. Well, why do I need to spend X amount of money on a GM? I'll be GM. Right. You right. do need a GM. Yes. You do need a area supervisor. But when you're like, no, I can do it. No, you can't. Yes, yes. That's something that is, is, you have to have 
human resource policies. You have to have training manuals. You have to have all that stuff. And it's really hard when you're a visionary that can see something in your head to forget that there's details that have to go into it. And I, I'm the same. I'm the yeah. same way. Like I'm like I'm gonna write a book today. Mm. Okay, I'm gonna sit down and write a book today. Mm. And I'll sit down and I'll write it. And people are like. Well, have you forgotten that you have other things that you're doing? I'm like, nah, I'll get, I'll do it. There's, there's more than 24 hours in a day. I'll just keep going. And yeah, I might get to the end of that book. It's not as good as it could have been because I rushed through it and I just knew that I could do it. But you do sacrifice as you go through. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and, and you're also trying to build a brand. See, when I came into, to, to having known you, I don't know why I thought that it had been around longer than that. I didn't realize it was only in 92, 93. You're calling me old. It's huh? Because I'm old? Yes, why? exactly. Okay. When I met you, you were what, 62, 63? <laughs> right. No, I'm just kidding. But I just thought Betas had been around for a lot longer than that. And because you guys, like, that was just, everybody's like, oh, Betas, I remember back when it was at the old days. And I'm like, when was that, like in the 70s? No. Like, was, oh, no, 90s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mid-90s, exactly. actually. So, like, and you also had the ability to have your dad helping you and, and a family that could kind of keep things on track where you could be that grower and they could be the, you know. So, like, what are some lessons that you learned during that time? Postponed success. <laughs> really? <laughs> really. You know, when I, I, look, I look back, I can, I, I can still hear my dad telling me issues that we had at stores. Mm. And I'm probably all of 27, 25, 26 maybe. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, when you think about a, a, a kid that grew up on Avenue B next to, mm-hmm. next to the lake, and you, you, some of the revenue numbers that, that are coming in, you feel invincible. Mm-hmm. Everything that you've done unconventionally, people taking risks on you. Uh, and when I say risk, risk of reputation. Yeah. You know, like, hey, I'm going to introduce you to somebody um, because I believe in you. And I, I never took that lightly. Right. You know? uh, so, but you're not ready for it. Yeah. You're just not. I wasn't. I lo- and it would take a 46-year-old Albert. That's the only person that he would listen to. It would take a 46-year-old Albert to go back to talk to the 26-year-old Albert. Because mm-hmm. that's the only. Because I didn't listen to my dad. My dad's the oracle, man. Yeah. Really. He says something, you're like, holy smack. He's right. Yeah. But it would have literally taken back to the future, you know? Yeah. Like where Biff had to go talk to the old, the young Biff. Yes, exactly. And that's yeah. what it would have had to have been because I just, I wasn't willing to listen. Yeah. And over the years with some, you know, here to listen, we've probably had an equal amount of failures uh, as we have successes. Mm-hmm. And it takes those failures to kind of bring you down. Oh, yeah. It takes, it takes those failures to kind of bring you down. Like, listen, you're not that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and then you start to listen you start to I'm not saying that you don't end up making a decision but you listen to other people and you're like okay good point did you feel like and I, I asked this of people especially like elected officials that grew up in this town and now they're kind of leaders in their community mm-hmm. do you ever did you feel like there was a pressure on you to keep up this idea that you were this there, successful oh, at, person. 100%. Was that something that you felt all the time if things weren't going well to keep it up? <laughs> I know that I do. That's why right. I'm asking uh, them. So too. 100% without a doubt. Uh, when you're younger, it's for your immediate surrounding friends. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, your friends look at you and you're like, okay, hey man, one of the, one of the guys made it, you know, for lack of a better term. Um, you, you've, just weird responsibility to them. Yes. And then as you get older, people view you in one light. Yeah. They, they have one, they see you like, oh, you know, that's Jenna, she does this. Yeah. She's really smart or she's, she has her own shop or, or she's really, so then you, there is a pressure. Yes. To make, but you know, it's not a bad pressure because what's the alternative? Hey, there's the dropout from high school. You're still doing the same thing. Hey man, good job on, on the consistency there, right? right? Exactly. You're like, no, and that's okay. But yes, to, to, for anybody to say there's not a little bit of pressure, but I, I really, that pressure is coming. They are who they are internally. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the, the biggest pusher of yourself 
than anybody else. You just you kind of feel it from other people, and, and honestly, they don't care. I mean, I really. That was a that was a lesson I had to learn. For any of you students out there that are in any of the entrepreneur business classes at the Bisky or South or whatever, I remember the day that I had to close my consignment store. And I, I mean, literally six months before, I had the mayor, I had everybody at my ribbon cutting, the braining irons was there, I joined the Chamber of Commerce, everything was going really well. And six months later, I was done. And it was a feeling of, at first, failure. But then I realized, wait a second, I took a huge chance. And it might not have been successful, but I learned a whole lot mm -hmm. from it. And you know what, being able to get back up and go back out there and try again, and, and learning tenacity and perseverance is a very important lesson. And being an entrepreneur is not easy even for 40 year olds, sure. much less somebody that's much less a 46 19. year old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that that's a really good lesson is like, even if things don't work out the way that you want them to, you know, it doesn't mean that, that it, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to get back up and try again. It is, you know? there's no doubt. But people that love you will always, you know, people in the community, everybody wants everybody to succeed, so. Shout out to my sister-in-law. We were texting back and forth about something and she had made a comment, something like, uh, as long as we have each other. Mm-hmm. Really. It's, it's true. It's true. I mean, yeah. you know, when you put it all and you boil it all down, it's great that I love what I do. I still do. I still have a passion for this because uh, I, I, anybody listening to this podcast, anybody, man, Tip your waiters, tip your bartenders, <laughs> yeah. you know? When you leave church, whatever the sermon was, man, keep it in mind when you are when you have to wait 30 minutes somewhere. Amen, amen. So the people that are in this industry, because there's a passion for it, there really is. I mean, there's some some downs, we all know that, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. But for the most part, we're people, we're people people. Mm -hmm. We're people pleasers. We like the, the, the social aspect of, with staff and with our team, we like the the organized chaos of a Friday night, the the energy, uh, the adrenaline rush, and the the down when it's over. So you're not in this industry um, for the money. I mean, it, it can make some money, yeah, but it's not for the money. Right. I promise you that it's because you you love what you do, and, yeah. And I still do. So when I look at it and you look around and you're like, you know what? All considered, not bad. Yeah. Really, not bad. Our nonprofit spotlight for today's episode is on the Grand Prairie Unity Coalition. The GPUC was started in September of 2004 by Grand Prairie City Councilman Richard Frigo of District 4 in an effort to bring people together of different ethnic, religious, and cultural backgrounds. Through interactions and education, the coalition seeks to unite all who wish to better understand the people in our world. I recently learned of this organization and I can't wait to be a part of it myself. And if you have the desire for community unity and inclusivity, this is a group I highly suggest you learn more about. You can find them by doing so on Facebook or by going to their website at gpunitycoalition.com. So you've had an opportunity for what, 20, gosh, 20, 27, 27 years. Yeah. So how have you seen workers change? You know, the day that I left the hospitality industry is when I hired somebody that was born in 1990 Jeez. and I said, I can't do this. Right. <laughs> I felt like there was such a, a, such a disconnect Yes, yeah. between me and the age I was and the people I was hiring. So like, what have you seen? Have, have you? What, what could you give people that are getting out there and getting into the workforce? Like, what are some suggestions? I'm gonna give you, I'm not gonna give you any suggestions, oh, but okay. I'm gonna give you a story. Ah, okay. My, my grandpa. Okay. So I'm in the, I'm, I'm, I was not a good student, right? And I'm, I'm self-proclaimed procrastinator. <laughs> Probably senior year, somewhere around there. Uh, I'm working for Pops. He's a manager at a restaurant and I'm working for him. And I have a project due that I'm sure I had two weeks to do that I left to the last night. And my dad, I can't work tonight. He's like, well, why not? I'm like, we got a project due tomorrow at school. He's like, oh, okay. Well, what time do you get off tonight? I'm like, I don't know, 10? Oh, okay. What time do you go to school tomorrow? 
<laughs> I don't know, eight? And he walks away. <laughs> That's what Grandpa does, you know? And he's telling you, listen, man, no excuses. You got time. Get it done. Right. And I think that's the, you know, when I see, and I don't want to say this generation, because I'm sure the same was said about us, right? Uh-huh. Um, no, not us. <laughs> right, we're perfect. <laughs> but I will say, if you want to be successful, and I don't mean money, I mean a successful human being, mm -hmm. you know? Um, first, define it. Define mm -hmm. that. And then, two, you're life is not perfect man you're gonna run into obstacles mm -hmm. but just what I always tell myself is that you might not there's a solution I guarantee you there is a solution you just might not like it that, that's very true that's it yeah but what happens is when there's a solution and we don't like it we discard it right so then no longer becomes a solution to us right but it is right it's a solution you just don't like it Right. So whenever I, when I find myself like really struggling with a problem, I'm like, find the solution. I, I t literally, and those that are listening, I'm going to give a secret. Talk to yourself. I talk to myself way too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like scary. But what it does, I think it allows you to kind of, you just, you go through the problems. You find the solution. And then sometimes a very, just a, a, a bad solution is the only solution. But it's a solution. Right. And I think we kind of lack that. You know, when I talk to some of my staff, it's the end of the world. Right. I mean, whatever whatever right. it is, the project that was due or the girlfriend or. The ticket you didn't ring in and you don't yeah. want to tell your manager. Right. I mean, it's the end of the world. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no. That's true. It's not the end of the world. That comes from yeah. wisdom. That comes yeah. from the wisdom of age. But, you know, one thing I was going to ask you, and since we're kind of talking about young people, and you and I, before we started recording, we're talking about kids and stuff. So when I knew you, you didn't have kids. No. You didn't have a family. And which is I had totally nephews. which I had is, nephews. Yes, you had nephews. <laughs> but it's totally different to be in a to be an entrepreneur and a business owner and work in the hospitality industry when you have endless amount of time and you can go to bed whenever you feel like mm. it and all that stuff. So um, you how did it change how you ran things when you became a husband and a father. Everything. 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 Did you have so, to re just redo your priorities yeah, altogether? Yeah, just altogether as a human being, I think, to some extent. I was uh, the 19-year-old Albert and the 26-year-old Albert probably weren't too different, you know? Mm. Um, and then I think part of you that makes you who you are is a pro. It's one of your, you chalk it up for your positive side, mm -hmm. but you can e easily chalk it up for your negative side, mm -hmm. you know? And growing up in this industry and, and kind of being driven, I, I think it, it can be a positive. Mm -hmm. But when you start focusing on things that, maybe, what's it really important? Right, I mean, what's exactly. What's really, really important? Mm -hmm. Your family and your kids are really, really important. Right. You can't replace them. You go out of business, uh, hopefully you just you get back up, you dust yourself off, and you start another business. And you can't take huge chances yeah. like you would have before. Exactly. Right? So when I met my wife, it was, you know, it was not so many words where, hey, that's cool. The ambition, that's great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Not for me. You're like, oh, snap. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and then you've you got you to step back, and you're like, okay. And then when you have kids, I mean, it just, you know, and it, it took me a while. I had one vacation in 10, the first 10 years in business, maybe 12. Mm -hmm. And we take a vacation every year now, you know? Yep. And that was, you know, predominantly because of my wife. It's like, listen, there's there's just more important things. And there is. Right. There is. Yeah. So then now, you're, now you're, your decision process is based on a different mentality, on a different philosophy, on, on a different set of concepts. Mm-hmm. So it really affects literally everything. It's the, it affects the way that you interact with your guests. It interacts the way you interact with your staff, mm -hmm. and especially the way you interact with your family. Yeah, you know. So uh, shout out to my wife. Yeah. Well, and what I also thought was interesting was when you were talking about because you're not just a father; you're a father of a daughter, mm. which is different. Mm. <laughs> Very. It when I became a mother to a daughter. Mm. And I realized, oh, that was hard, especially being in the hospitality industry. Uh, you know, there's things, there's certain 
cultures of things that you really get used to being around and you don't realize how off kilter they might be until you have a kid and you realize, wait a second, I'm raising a human being in this world and she is a girl and I don't want her to go through some of the things I went through and you know, I want her to know when, when that guy says something to you or when you know, and, and so it, it changes, you're right, it changes everything. And for me, I wanted her to see a woman that could start and take chances and, and be a business owner and all that stuff. So it's it's just interesting how you you go through these phases of your life where right now this is what's important and then now this is what's important. So, but your kids go to their GPIC, right? All of them, uh-huh. Uh-huh. So how has um, Grand Prairie changed school-wise since we were in school? I don't recognize it. It's crazy, isn't better. it? For the better. I mean, that's yeah. a compliment. Right, 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 right. So that's a compliment. Um, but there's pros and cons of that too. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up on Avenue B. I grew up going to Bonham. We crossed every single day with my brother. I'm five <laughs> years old. <laughs> five years old. And we're walking home. My brother's probably in the third grade. He's probably eight or nine, maybe fourth grade. And we walked, we crossed 14th Street to get to Avenue B. If we saw that today, we'd be calling CPS on somebody. Right, exactly. What was around you that y'all would go do? We, nothing. We'd nothing. just walk home. Oh, just walk home. Oh, we, gotcha. We were latchkey kids, you know? Mm -hmm. Mom was at work. Dad was at work. Uh, I'm following my brothers, probably not even paying attention to me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we'd go home together, and that's what we did, you right. know? And if we saw that today, literally, you might call the police. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's part of the fabric that makes you I mean that's that's a discussion my wife and I have sometimes and you you there's a grittiness to you yeah when you're you know when you have that when you see that when things are not perfect yeah and you got to overcome certain things so there's no doubt that growing up in that part of town shaped my mentality without a doubt mm. 100% 100% and it wasn't bad but if we saw that today, self-included, the fights, literally, there was a, probably a fight every single day. Mm. So you have a group of 100 kids, I would say at least 100 kids walking home, all from Bonham all the way to Avenue B, A, C, Hardy, uh, Lakeview, and they're all the same thing. Their parents are at work, right. we're all latchkey kids, right. and well, that's what, what kids do. They fight. Right. Well, you know, and it's it's interesting. One of the reasons I started this podcast is because Grand Prairie is kind of unique in terms of the distance from one side to the other. Mm. So you can go the north side all the way to the south side. And when we were growing up, you know, in the 90s, the south side went as far as maybe trail Trailwood. Yeah. Um, but but really it was like the Albertson Cinemark movie 16, like that was kind of the southernmost place. Right. And now it goes all the way down to way far down. Yep. So you could live in Grand Prairie never having been on one side, one side or the other. other. Yep. And we also only had two high schools. So, you know, I was I grew up on the south side of town. We went to the same high school. That wasn't something I experienced, the Grand Prairie that I experienced. Right. You know, and, and so I think that that's pretty interesting that you can live in a community and not really know what it's like to live in all parts all of the parts community. Because I didn't even know that about you, that you, you'd grown up, you know, on, in that neighborhood. We called the Avenues. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know that that was a thing. It was. You know? Yeah. So what did y'all do? Like, when you were in high school, what did y'all do back? What, so you graduated in 91. Yeah. What did y'all do? Is this off the record? No, it's not <laughs> off the record. Okay. Well, <laughs> we went home. We studied. So I was, here's the one thing that kept me in check. So Grandpa kept me in check. Uh-huh. He did. You know, um, Grandpa had a way of making sure you stayed, you know, on the right track, mm -hmm. you know. So from those, you know, from, you know, never was really curious about much of anything um, except for girls, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, but always was a, I passed, put it that way. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a very good student. Um, but we really didn't have a lot to do, and sports kept me in check too. Mm. So I played baseball all four years in high school. Um, you had to, you had to pass to play, mm -hmm. so that keeps you in check there. Mm -hmm. um, any shenanigans that you might want to do in or out of school, coach will keep you in check there. So in terms of that, we were all pretty much in check in terms of, and it was, it was a, you would think about something. Mm -hmm. You're like, hey, 
what's coach going to say? Yeah. I mean, you thought about that. Yeah. You really, really thought about stuff like that. So it really helped you kind of not be mis as mischievous as you, as you might have been. Did you spend a lot of time over at Six Flags Mall? I didn't. You didn't? No. Cole and I had a whole conversation no, about I this. No, I didn't. No. See, I was, oh, man, this, I'll go back. The 16-year-old Albert wasn't much different than the 26-year-old Albert. Oh. I had a really small group of friends. And then I, I, I never was a fan of doing what everybody else did. Mm. Never. So if everybody went to this place, I didn't want to go there. If everybody went mm. to that place, I didn't want to go there. And really, it kept you out of a lot of trouble. Well, it, that's true. It really did. Yeah. So pretty uneventful if you think about it. When I look back on uh, between the fear of my dad and the fear of coach. Yeah. Pretty, pretty boring high school career. Mm. Really. I mean, it really was. I really... Wasn't a bad kid. Wasn't an adventurous kid. You didn't spend any time at the stop and go across the street from the baseball fields. We were practicing. Oh, that's true. So you get out. You have your your last period is usually, you know, it wasn't called PE. It was just a baseball class. Mm -hmm. We use that part of class. So you're 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 starting practice at two thirty, two fifteen, and you don't leave the fields till seven. Right. You haven't eaten. Yeah. You haven't done homework. You know, that's a, that's a great thing about sports. It really keeps you, you know, at least on a path. Kevin Hart talks about that in his book where, I don't know if you've listened to his book, but he was on the swim team. Mm. He's like, my mother picked the most in <laughs> intensive <laughs> thing that I was not good at right? for me to be a part of. But she was like, he goes, she did that to keep me out of trouble. It does. It really does. Yeah. And, it's, and if you love baseball, if you like baseball, it's a, it's a bonus. It's a plus. Yeah. So you, you, you start at 2.30. You end at seven. You haven't eaten yet. Right. You don't want to go to the stop and go next. You want to go home, eat, get your homework done, and you got to do it all over again. Yeah. And that's really that was the routine. So did you ever go to the football games? No, I had to work. Really? Yeah. I went to two high school football games my entire high school career. Only went to one homecoming <gasps> because I had to work. Did you have a date or did you just go? Uh, never had a date to homecoming. Well, I only went to. I didn't never. I never went to homecoming. So you never got a mom, you never got a moms? no. Yeah. You have to buy the mom. Never you never a mom. had a buy, and you never got a garter. I never got a garter. I never bought a mom. Uh, I feel like your employees need to have a special homecoming <laughs> just for you. So <laughs> we need to have one of those. Know. Kiss one oh six one. I went to one prom. I went to senior prom, and I that I didn't really want to go to that. But I was kind of like, well, dang, Albert, you haven't done anything. <laughs> literally picked up the phone, called somebody like, hey, you want to go to prom? That's literally what it was. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And so luckily she said yes. Just so you know, this year is the 50th anniversary of the 50th graduating class from South Carolina. Oh, wow. And we are, we are doing the Alumni okay. Association. And so we're having a celebration at um, hopefully at the Firehouse Gastro Pub. Okay. Um, but I feel like we need to like have a mom section just for you, for me, yeah. where you can like have yeah. a garter and a mom, and Melinda can have a mom. Yeah, and I, you know, I gotta. Be, you know, she said something about it. I think they're advertising some other type of. And then, I don't know what second chance prom or something like that. But <laughs> the, I, I didn't. There was no urge. Because what would have been pop? What music was popular back then? Let's see. Uh, let's see. Late eighties. So Vanilla Ice was eighth grade. Oh dear. Because I remember those that can appreciate that. <laughs> you would time it and press it at the same time. <laughs> right? You are the third person that has talked about this. Where you had the beginning of Hot 100, Kiss FM, or like something. You're like, Gord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was kind of, so my brother was really big. I mean, when I was, okay, so my brother and I are like four years, like, when I was a freshman, he was a senior. Uh -huh. Okay, so he was like Def Leppard, Quiet uh -huh. Riot. He was like the '80s Hairspray band. He still plays with the guitar to get the guitar to this day. Um, so we're going to school, and he's like, mm, you know, <laughs> rocking out. And then I have friends on the baseball team. That's when Garth Brooks hit it big, right? The, oh, right, yeah. Right about the time that you know country hit main, you know. Mm -hmm. So here I am going to school, and Rick's rocking out. And then we're going, we used to go fishing on the streams at Joe Pole Lake when, there's, when yep. it wasn't developed yet, right? Yep. We'd find the little, after practice, 
we might go and fish, right? We, so we would take our fishing poles, put them back in somebody's truck, and we'd all go, this is when you could still ride in somebody's back of the truck, right? <laughs> Like, like all of you, yeah, all like eight, all eight baseball players yeah. in the back of somebody's little Ford Ranger, right, with their little fishing poles. Bumps coming. Yeah, <laughs> hold on. So Rick's rocking out to like, who knows what? Garth Brooks just released a CD, and here I am. I get CDs, CDs. So the compact <laughs> probably a disc, tape, right? actually. So you know that that was just my all the genres of music. You know, it could be literally be from you know hairspray, rock. To Garth Brooks, and I, I really, it was a full spectrum for me. Well, when you were in high school, I was in fifth grade. Awesome. And it was New Kids on the Block. Awesome. So you did not listen to New Kids I did, on the Block. You know what? I, I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> listen. Okay, I love Justin Timberlake. He wasn't on New Kids. I think we've had that conversation before. Yes, JT. You know, JT. You know, yeah, he's, you, he's that's, my, He's my boy crush. It's okay. <laughs> Still to this day. Still to this day. <laughs> so yeah, to say that I didn't appreciate New Kids on the Block would be a lie. 98 degrees, Nick Lachey, shout out. So I appreciated all the boys, okay? All the boy bands. <laughs> but I just, you know, I've always liked all kinds of I appreciate of music. you being transparent. Because really? I'm sure a lot I mean, of people feel the same way as you. I'm gonna get a lot of love on all that. <laughs> But even, hey, listen. They're going to take back the betas. Right. The betas. Yeah. <laughs> we lied. <laughs> All a mistake. But even, you know, like Tejano music, you know? I mean, I love that, too. It's yeah. not what I play all the time. Right. But, you know, when I hear something, or like we went to a mariachi concert at the Fine Arts, I'm like, man. Yeah. I really feel in tune with my roots right now. <laughs> and I really appreciate the music. So, yeah, I, I don't think I had one particular Mm -hmm. genre of music that I went to just kind of you know day by day a lot of influences there yeah yeah well you know it's it's nice back back then there was this thing called the radio and yeah. you just listened to whatever music came on that was your yeah you were kind of forced to <laughs> yeah. kind of forced it now you listen to whatever, whatever you want right to exactly yeah. so we only have a couple minutes sure. left so like what is something about being a business owner in Grand Prairie like what do you what do you like about the culture of this city that has kept you here doing this like do you feel like Grand Prairie is unique do you feel like well you I grew up here yeah you know it's hard to you know when you when you don't know anything else mm-hmm it, it's hard to say is it unique I don't know mm-hmm is it this is the only place that I've ever lived but true I, I, I wouldn't be able to say I will say this though there's a reason I'm still here true there's a reason my kids are in GPISD yeah outside of AISD we're in AISD right. territory right and we move them to GPISD um, I will say it's a city I love. Yeah. And the reason that we came to GPISD was because of something that happened in AISD. Mm. And man, Arlington, you guys are amazing, but it's not my city. It's not so a city. So your kids actually went to AISD? We, Amelia did. This is a long time ago. Oh, okay, gotcha. And it just, my heart's not there. Mm -hmm. So when your heart's not there, it's not a, it's not something that you want to, Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if it happened in Grand Prairie, I'd want to correct it. Right. That's it's, true. It's my city. Yeah. It's my city. So, yeah. wife graduated south. Yep. Brother graduated from south. Yep. Sister-in-law graduated from south. Brother-in-law graduated from south. I mean, every, everybody is Grand Prairie. So, um... And the guests that come in here are people you know. Forever. I mean, yeah. we, have, we have kids now that are not kids. No. We have kids that have kids. I know. And you're like, dang, <laughs> I'm old. Literally kids that have kids. So um, when I was working at Roadhouse, one of the servers had a four-year-old daughter that would come over and help us sweep sections. Mm. I literally just helped her and her husband buy a house. Wow. And I was like, this makes me feel really old. Yeah, but good. you know, it's, it's neat. It happens. But you know, I mean. I wouldn't change it. No, of course not. But Grand Prairie has changed so much. But I, I really love, you know, where it's going. And I think it's neat to be a part of all this stuff. I think, I think you're doing an amazing thing. I think people that are <clears throat> new to the city that don't necessarily know the history of the city. Right. Um, we made an intentional effort to look like a chain. I wish we hadn't back in the day. Yeah. But there was a concerted effort to make it look like a chain. Right. Because we didn't want to scare people away. Um, and people think we're a chain. Mm -hmm. and, but we're not. And we're just regular old Grand Prairie folk, you know? Yeah, and May's coming up. Are y'all going to do another Cinco de Mayo? No, I'm too old. <laughs> I'm 
So, so since you're not going to do it, nobody can enjoy well, it. Yeah, nobody. <laughs> no, it, it's too much. It's too much. Yeah, it's it's hard to go back and think it's, about all yeah, that. Yeah, I can't even. I don't know how we did it. Honestly, <laughs> it was. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, no, never again. At least not me. As long as you know the Sanchez family owns Beto's, I don't think there's ever going to be another Cinco de Mayo party. But you know what's crazy oh. is that. We talked to people, and they would, you know, from whatever area, but they didn't know it's like Beto's the restaurant. Like, oh, that's the place that has a Cinco de Mayo party. Right. That's how they would know us. You can do it at like six o'clock mm -hmm. and just have it done at eight. I but mean, you, that's what we would do. We would just come with our kids. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. I different. don't think that made up holidays for kids, right? <laughs> Probably not. Probably, Probably not. not. That that holiday is a long line, parallel lines of National Margarita Day, right. which is coming up. Are you are going to have National Margarita? We will have National. It's a, I mean, you have to celebrate National Margarita. What are you going to do for National Margarita Day? National holiday. I don't know. It's a secret. <laughs> follow us on Facebook. I was going to say, I'll put Facebook on there if people yeah. want to find you. And if you haven't come to Beto's, come check it out. It's off I-20 and Great Southwest Parkway. For those, you know, on the north side or on the really, really south side that might not come to the, which is now the mid. We're the mid now. I mean, it's crazy. But anyway, thank you, Albert, for sitting down You're with welcome. me. Thank I you appreciate me. it. Awesome. All right.